Well, we've already had a good service, haven't we? Hey, if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn over to 2 Corinthians 3 in verse 5. 2 Corinthians 3 in verse 5. We're going to start in the New Living Translation today. And um, we're going to continue this series on unqualified. And we started it last week. Hopefully you guys got some help last week from this message, unqualified. We're going to talk about part two today. And next week, don't forget, Pastor Jordan Smucker will be here as our guest speaker uh, coming all the way from Ohio. So I encourage you to be here and invite some people to be with you. It's going to be a fun weekend. And uh, next Sunday night is our appreciation dinner for all the ministry of help. So if you're involved in that, you're invited to come. And it's going to be a fun night with food. And Pastor Jordan Smucker is going to preach. And we're going to have all sorts of giveaways. And it's going to be a fun night. So that's next Sunday night. So let's start here, 2 Corinthians 3 and 5 in the New Living Translation. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to this Corinthian church. It says, it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything of our own, but our qualification comes from God. Our qualification comes from God. So today we're going to do part two. And if you're taking notes today, the title of my message today is Called to Greatness. Called to greatness. So we're going to uh, continue uh, this idea of unqualified. And let me explain to you what I mean by that. Um, we need to look at the Bible. We need to look at the scriptures. And a lot of times we look at them from the wrong perspective. And we read the, the Bible through a filter. I said we, we read it through these, the filter of uh, all these heroes of faith, men and women in the Bible. We see them as what they did for God and the lifestyles they lived were unattainable and there's no way I could be like Abraham and Moses and Mary and, and Sarah and all these people in the Bible or David and Jeremiah. But we read it from the wrong perspective because we don't realize, even though the Bible says it, we read it with this religious filter that all the heroes of the Bible had issues. They had sin, they had problems, they had issues, and God used them even with issues. And it didn't stop him from using them because he would come into their life and he would heal them and change them and they would be a different person after God got through with them. And in the eyes of the world, a lot of people would say the heroes of the faith are unqualified to do what God has called them to do, but God qualified them and made them able to fulfill their calling. So God uses people that are broken and people that have issues and people that don't have the best background to do great things for him. Because if we don't identify with the heroes of the faith, then we can read our Bibles and say, well, I can never be like them. And I can never do what they did because they're up here and I'm down here. But that's not true. Because if God was looking for qualified people, no one on the planet would be qualified. Can I get an amen? The only person that would be qualified is Jesus Christ. The rest of us would be out outside and not being able to do anything, but God doesn't look like that. He doesn't look the way that the world looks. And notice it says in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, our qualification comes from God. He's the one who qualifies us. He's the one who calls us. He's the one who does those things. We don't do it. And our qualification comes from Him. So, we need to realize that a lot of times we count ourselves out when God's trying to count us in on what he's doing. When there's a calling on our lives. There's a lot of people that are not in church this morning, not because they don't want to be in church, but they feel unqualified to be in church. When if there was a qualification for come to, coming to church, none of us would be here, including the pastor. But a lot of people feel like they can't come to church, they can't have a relationship with God, uh, they can't fulfill their calling because of their past or an issue or a sin or their family or whatever it may be, but our qualification comes from God. Can I get amen in this Presbyterian church? Our qualification comes from God. God doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the called. And his calling is on everyone's life in here, but everyone's life on the planet. But we must respond to that calling. Last week we talked about your calling is calling. 
And you have to pick up the phone and answer and say, yes, God, I want to do what you've called me to do. I want to fulfill this calling because you have a free will and God will not make you be in his will. He will not make you change. He will not make you do anything that you don't want to do. He will not make you do that. You have to respond to his calling. Just like there's hundreds and thousands and millions and billions of people that are outside of a relationship with God this morning, but God is calling them. But they must respond to the calling. And you must too. We have to respond to the calling of God because there's many called but few chosen. Now how do we get chosen when we respond to the call? There's many that are called. God is calling many people at at all times saying, I want to do something great with your life. I want to save you. I want to heal you. I want to deliver you. I want to do something great. I want you to be a part of what I'm doing. But you have to answer the call to be chosen by him to do something great. Speaking about calling, I'm trying to lay a foundation for where we're going today. I know I said some of this last week, but it's a reminder you need to hear this, that a calling is more than preaching. Because if you think when I say calling this morning, you're talking only about preachers, then a lot of you would say, well, I'm not called to preach. Preaching is just one of millions of callings. One of millions of things you could do and be called. It just happens to be what I do. And it's not any more important than what you're called to do. Most of your callings are outside the four walls of the church, which I would say is more important than what I do. Because you're affecting people I might not ever see. I might not ever meet. My job as a pastor and a preacher is to equip you and to help you and to encourage you and what you're called to do. Did you know that? You don't come to church to just say, good job, you're doing awesome, pastor, and you just go home and live your own life. That's not why you come to church. You don't come to church to just applaud me and say, hey, it's awesome, one person's called in here. No. You come to church to find out about your calling, what you're called to do, how you're chosen, how you're anointed, how you're gifted, how you have a great plan for your life, not just the pastor and the preacher. And what you do sometimes is more important than me. But it's outside the four walls of these church. And it might not be with a microphone and a pulpit, but you're called to preach at your job, at your school, wherever your area of influence You have a calling on your life. Come on, can I get amen this morning? And we are all called in here. And the Bible says in Romans, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That means once you're called, you're called. Doesn't change. No matter if you respond to it or not, you're called. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Once you're called, God doesn't change his mind. If you blow it, God doesn't change his mind. If you don't do it, God doesn't change his mind. If someone in your family leaves you, God doesn't change their mind. If some tragedy happens in your life, God does not change his mind. Once you're called, you're called. And the good news is, everyone in here, you are called. Can you say this with me? I am called. Say it one more time. I am called. You are called by God, and the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't change his mind once he calls us. So we are all called in here to do something for God, but a lot of times we don't do it because why? We feel unqualified. But God has qualified us and made us right with him. And he says, if you're called, I'll give you the ability to do it. I'll give you the grace to do it. I will qualify you. I will help you. I will change you. But you have to respond to my calling. There's another thing that uh, I I see here, and I mentioned this last week. A lot of times we, we read that Bible with our filter of religion. We read it, the preschool version, like I said last week. Uh, the preschool version is the version we tell our kids, but it's only half the story. And we don't lie to them on purpose back there, but we don't give them the full story. In preschool, they don't hear all about Noah and Abraham and David. They only see the highlights of their life. They don't see the low days of their life. You got to get to big church to hear that part. But you don't tell them that because some people will will take that because that's what they've learned growing up, and and they they think that's 
was their whole life. They were always on the mountaintop. They were always anointed. They were always praying in tongues. They were always shouting hallelujah. No, they weren't. They were people just like you. And they had highlights and they had lowlights. And they had some bad days and they had some good days. But God still used them to do great things. Um, so let's turn over to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 in the New Living Translation. You guys getting something so far? So I'm excited today because we're talking about called to greatness And I want to share a couple things about this verse. And we want to get into somebody else's life today. Last week we talked about the life of David and how God used him. But we're going to talk about Peter today. How God used Peter. Despite his mistakes, despite his issues, God used the apostle known as Peter. He always wasn't the apostle as Peter. Once he was a fisherman, but he used him. And Peter blew it a lot. And we're going to see that today. But God still had a plan for his life. So 1 Corinthians 1, 26 says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame the things, those who think they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. So God doesn't choose like we choose. God doesn't choose like we choose. He chooses differently. He chooses the people who are downcast and the poor and the broken and those with issues and not that he can't choose the people that are wealthy and successful and powerful but like I said last week a lot of times those people won't allow themselves to be used because of pride so God knows I can't use those people they're gifted they're talented I gave that to them but they're so prideful they will not allow me to use them but he's trying to take people that the world counts as nothing he's trying to take people that that you've been overlooked how how many of you some of you feel in here you've been overlooked in life by people by family members by jobs you've been overlooked God chooses you because he knows when I choose them I'll get the glory out of their life because if they were already doing good when I met them when they succeeded I would get no glory from that because they would say okay they were already on their way to success But when I use them because they've been struggling and they have issues and they came from a bad family background and they they didn't live in the right town and they didn't have a lot of money and they didn't come from the right place and they weren't qualified and they messed up and they didn't make straight A's in high school or college and they didn't always do good on their report cards. I want to use those type of people. Come on, use those C students in here. Come on. And you know you haven't used algebra and geometry once since high school. God wants to use you. And he's called you and he's anointed you because he knows when he uses you, he will get the glory out of your life. And people will look at your life and they will say, I know they didn't get there by themselves. Come on, how many, how many want to be somebody like that, that we are uh, going to be an example of God's grace, an example of God's mercy, an example of God's calling, an example of God's gifting, that when they look at your life, they say, I know they didn't do it by themselves. I know they didn't get there by themselves. I know they didn't do this. And who gets the glory? God does. That's why God chooses differently than we choose. God chooses differently in the way that we choose. So I'm going to talk about the life of Peter today, and I'm really excited about it, because once you get into the life of Peter, you start going, and there's so many funny stories about Peter, I had to just stop. And I'm like, I can't share all of these, so we're going to be here all day. But we're going to talk about the life of Peter today. We talked about David last week, because he's an example of God using someone who made mistakes. Someone who had issues, someone who didn't come from the best family or the best background. And God qualified him and used him to be one of the greatest leaders in the church. 
And we can look back thousands of years later and we're talking about Peter on a Sunday morning here because God used him. So we're going to get into this today and I'm excited to talk about him. But I want to give you a, a few examples before we get into some scripture about Peter. Peter was one of the earliest disciples and we see from his life Um, I can relate to him because he was passionate. He was a passionate person. He had a go-for-it attitude. That's who Peter was, and that's why I think Jesus liked him. He said, this guy's passionate. Peter is the guy who you dare to do something, and he's the first one to do it. I'll do it. I'll jump off the cliff. I'll do that. Peter was the guy you dare to do stuff, and he did it. Peter was also one of those people, I don't know if you relate to this, but I do. He was a good talker. But sometimes his talking got him in trouble. He was one of those guys who said things before he thought about what he was saying. And so sometimes he got it really right, and God said, you are on it, Peter. You are my best friend. You're the apostle that I've been looking for. And other times he blew it because he just opened his mouth at all times and had comments to make. And I I relate to that. Sometimes I've said things before I thought about it and got in trouble for that. Anybody want to be honest in here? Okay. So Peter was like that. He was someone who talked a lot. He was really the spokesperson for the 12 disciples, and he always spoke up. And really, I see Peter as this. He was the guy who said what everybody was thinking. Peter was the one who said what everybody was thinking, but was too afraid to say it in front of Jesus. And then Peter says it, and everybody's like, yeah, I agree with Peter. I didn't want to say it, Jesus, but yeah, Peter is is what I meant. And so they would see Peter get roasted all the time by Jesus. And they were like, God, I'm glad I didn't say that. Thank God for Peter speaking up and getting in trouble for the rest of us. So one of the first times, you could just write this down. I'm not going to turn to these verses because there's so many stories. Uh, It's in a lot of these uh, examples I'm going to give you today are multiple times in the Gospels. They're not just in one place. But in Luke 5, uh, you see Peter being called to ministry. In Luke 5, Jesus was calling uh, some of his early disciples. And Peter was a fisherman. Come on, can I get an amen for fishermen in here? Or wannabe fishermen in here? Peter was a fisherman by trade. And Peter had a brother who was another disciple of Jesus named Andrew. And we see the first time you see Peter in the Gospels, Peter was fishing. He was a Bass Pro brother. He wasn't a white-collar guy. He was a blue-collar guy. Peter probably had a few beers and went down to do a little fishing after work. That's what... Kind of person, Peter's. Oh my gosh, he said beer. I can't laugh on Sunday morning. This is pre Jesus, pre Jesus. He's a fisherman, so he's a blue collar guy. He, he, he's a little rough around the edges, and you can see when he speaks up. He's a, little, he's a little tough, he's a little rough. And if you've ever seen Discovery Channel, imagine you've seen the fishing shows on Discovery Channel, those are some rough guys. But imagine thousands of years ago with the kind of boats they had. How much tougher do you have to be? You don't have all the technology the fishermen of today have. You're in a pretty primitive boat with primitive nets trying to catch fish. You've got to be a tough man, a strong man. So Peter and Andrew, uh, who were brothers, were uh, some fishermen. And and they were a little rough around the edges. So Jesus, uh, he liked fishermen because actually four out of the twelve were fishermen. Just a fun fact, by the way, for fishing. Um, Four out of the 12 were fishermen. And so Jesus calls these early disciples. And in Luke 5, there happens to be a story where they they had been fishing all night and they come home and they have caught nothing. And so they get back and it's daytime. And then you got Jesus, who they don't know who Jesus is yet. You got Jesus, who is the Messiah, the Savior, comes up to these fishermen who are experts at what they do, and he says, launch out to go catch some fish. And Peter says, we've been fishing all night, and we've caught nothing. And second of all, who are you? (laughs) Who are you? This random guy comes up and says, 
launch out in the deep and catch. And they'd been fishing all night, so they wanted to go home and rest. But for some reason, because it's supernatural, they said, okay, we'll listen to what you have to say, Jesus. So they went out, they launched out into the deep, and it says when they threw their nets, even though they had caught nothing all night, supernaturally, fish just started jumping in the nets to the point that they had to have other boats and other nets come get these fish because their nets were breaking. And then Peter, he realizes at that time that, hey, maybe there's something more to this Jesus guy. And he realized, okay, Jesus, you're supernatural. You are the Messiah. You're the Savior. You're the Son of God. And that moment right there is when Simon Peter, as it's called in the Bible, started to follow Jesus. It's when he saw that sign with catching all the fish. And from that day forward, he stopped fishing and he followed Jesus. And that's, in that story is when Jesus said to him, you're not going to catch fish anymore, you're going to catch men. Peter, you've been doing this your whole life, but now I'm calling you into ministry. So that's when Peter and his brother Andrew were first called in Luke 5. It's okay if I tell you a little bit about Peter today, isn't it? We see, one of the next times we see Peter is in Matthew 14. Peter was on the boat with other disciples and Jesus came walking across the water. And they said, it's a ghost. And Peter said, I feel like it's Jesus. I told you, he's the first one to jump out. He's the first one to say something. And he said, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter got out of the boat. The St. Peter who messes up all over the Gospels is the only disciple who walked on water that day because he was willing to step out in faith. And it says Peter started to walk on the water, but as he was walking, he started looking at his surroundings and he got his eyes off Jesus. Now that will preach. And he got his eyes on the circumstances and his eyes on the storm and he started to sink. And then Jesus reaches down, even though he... He messed up, reaches down and helps him out of the water and doesn't let him drown and takes him back to the boat. And we see from this that Peter was always eager to do what Jesus called him to do. That's why Jesus liked him. Even though he messed up a lot, Jesus loved that attitude that God, I'm just going to step out in faith. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to do it. Even if I fail, I'd rather try and fail than not do it at all. And you can imagine all the rest of the disciples had jokes about Peter, but he said, did any of you guys walk on water? No. I started sinking, but at least I got a few steps in. Does any of you have the testimony? I don't think so. Peter is that kind of guy. So notice Peter stepped out. He messed up, but God still helped his life. And he started walking in the supernatural. None of the rest of the disciples could say they walked on water. Only Peter. The same Peter who had issues and sin and rough edges, God used Peter's life. Another one of my favorite stories from Peter is in John 6. Jesus was preaching a sermon, and it was a hard sermon to hear. It was one of those sermons that you leave the service and you're like, I feel like I just got my butt kicked at the church. Because Jesus was, that day, he was trying to figure out who was really following him and who wasn't. And so Jesus preached a message about communion. But in those days, they didn't have the context of the New Testament to know what communion meant. So in the service, Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Now, we're all just like, I would never leave Jesus. If I got up there and said this on Sunday morning, you would say, Pastor, you're crazy, and I'm not going to a cannibal church. Wouldn't you say that? Don't act like you would say with Jesus when he said that. Notice they had no context of what that meant relating to communion. Just in the message, he said, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part with me. That's called a cult. Isn't it? So you can't blame the disciples for leaving 
Jesus that day. So the end of that message, it says a lot of disciples just bailed on Jesus. They said, I'm done with this. This is crazy. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know what he's talking about. I'm not going to drink his blood and eat his flesh. I was with you, Jesus, up to this point, but I can't do this. And it says a lot of the disciples left him. And then Jesus looked around and said, do any of you guys else want to go? Do you guys want to go? And when he said that, more disciples left. That would be like me on Sunday morning saying, you guys want to get out of here? Get out of here. And just like half of the people just got up and left. And then there's Peter. Good old Peter. He stood up and he said, Jesus, I don't get this. This doesn't make any sense. But to whom shall we go? Because you are the only ones with eternal life. To whom shall we go? So Peter stayed with Jesus. And really Peter talked the rest of the disciples to stay with Jesus because he reminded them, where else you going to go? We might not understand what he's saying right now, guys, but this is the Messiah. This is the Savior. Where are we going to go from here? We're going to go back to fishing? We're going to go back to living our old lifestyle once we've seen people healed and delivered and we've seen blind eyes open and people raised from the dead. How are we going to go back to our old lifestyle? We can't do that and just act like we didn't see all this. Peter said, to whom shall we go, Jesus? You're the only one who has the words of eternal life. So Peter was loyal to Jesus even in that moment. And I want to talk to you about when he spoke to Peter one more time. And we're going to turn to Matthew 16. If you have your Bibles with you, Matthew 16 and verse 16. You guys getting something so far? I just want to talk about the life of Peter today. Hopefully it will encourage you. It says, then he asked them, that's Jesus, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Verse 18 says, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Can we leave that up there, that verse? Notice he says to Peter, Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So I'm going to talk a little bit about this in Peter's life when Jesus changed his name. Really, Peter's real name is Simon, not Peter. But God changed his name. And you see this all throughout the Bible because names are significant in the Bible. They didn't name anybody flippantly. They named them on purpose. They named their children with the mindset, if I name them this, this is going to be their calling. This is going to be what they're called to do. This is going to be their gifting. This is going to be their future. And there was power in what they named their children. And we see that all throughout the Bible, When God wanted to change somebody's life, a lot of times he would change their name. Because you have to speak it before you see the change on the outside. So he would change their name. So Abram went from Abram to Abraham, which Abraham means father of many nations. He didn't have any kids when his name was changed to Abraham, which means father of many nations. Or when Sarai was changed to Sarah, which means mother of a multitude. She didn't have any children. But God called those things that be not as though they were. So they will come into existence. So he changed their name to change their future, to change their destiny, to change their potential. Even though in the natural, they didn't have any kids, Abraham and Sarah. So he changed their name. We see he changed... Uh, Jacob's name, which Jacob means liar or deceiver, to Israel, 
which Israel means the beloved of God. He changed his name because of what he was called to do. And we see this, he changed his name from Saul to Paul, the apostle Paul. But we see he changed Simon's name to Peter, which no one even calls him Simon anymore. We all call him Peter or Simon Peter. And God changed his name and notice what he says. I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will build my church. But I'm going to use you, Peter, to be the foundation of what I'm building. As one of the early church leaders, as one of the early church fathers, I'm going to use you, Peter, to do this. But when he called Peter the rock, he wasn't living like a rock. When he called Peter the foundation, he wasn't living like a foundation. He was living like sand, shifting by his emotions and by his feelings and always blowing it and always making mistakes. But he said, Peter, I see you as a rock, not as who you are right now. Because God calls those things he wants into existence. And he called his potential out, not his problem he had. He called his identity out, not the issue he had. I'm preaching better than you responded. And that's the way that God calls us. He doesn't label you like the world labels you based off your addiction or you've been divorced or you're the, the poor person or you're the rich person or you come from this background or you're black or you're white or you're Hispanic. He doesn't call you addicted or you're a drunk or you're broken or you're sexually active or you got issues. He doesn't call you by those names. The world does, but God calls you by your potential. And he sees something in you that you don't see in yourself. And he calls those things as though they were and brings them into existence. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying anything. And he changed his name. You're not Simon anymore. You're Peter. And everybody was looking around. This dude is not a rock. He blows him more than anybody. How are you going to call him the rock and the foundation of the church? If he is, it's going to be a bad church. It's going to be blown up the first day. If Peter's in charge, but notice Jesus changed his name because he saw what he was called to do. And you see later on in the Bible, he became what Jesus called him. He became that rock. He became that foundation. Just like Abraham became a father of many nations. Just like Sarah became a mother of a multitude. Just like Jacob stopped being a liar and deceiver and became the beloved of God. And every other person that he changed in the Bible, their name, they became what God called them. Come on now, somebody. And you are not what people call you. And you are not what the enemy calls you. You are what God calls you. That's who you are. That's your real identity. That's really who you are. You are who God says you are. So let's not identify with our problems and mistakes and bring it up. Let's identify with what God says and speak that over ourselves. Just like when you go to rehab, they say, I'm a drug addict, I'm an alcoholic. Okay, it's okay if you say that one time, but don't keep confessing that over your life because that's not who you are anymore. You are saved. You are healed. You are delivered. You are holy. You are righteous. You are loved. You are graced. You have God's mercy. You have God's peace. That's who you are. And we need to call ourselves like God calls us. But notice, He sees things in us that we don't see. He sees things today in you that you don't see about yourself. He sees potential. He sees promise. He sees identity. He sees your giftings and your callings. And let God define who you are. Woo! Are you hearing me this morning? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? So God called him Peter when he was not a rock. He was shady. He had issues. God said, you're the rock. You're the pillar of the church. Peter, not acting like it, but I see you. 
You're going to be the pillar of the church one day. I mentioned dad last week. He wasn't here. But let me mention him again. Forty years ago, when people saw dad, what did they say? Drug addict. What did God say? Prophet. He called those things into existence. And he saw things that other people didn't see. And he spoke that. It's not the same for all of us in here, but think about it today. Let God speak to you today. What is God calling you? Not what other people have called you. Some people have called you dumb, stupid, poor, not qualified, not able to do what you're called to do, a mess up, sinful, broken. That's not who you are. You're who God says you are. And God sees potential in us when we don't see it in ourselves. Even when you mess up, He doesn't see your mistake. He sees man of God, woman of God, called, anointed. So He says, I will call you Peter from here on out because you're going to be the rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we see we go through Peter's life. Are you still with me today? We go through Peter's life and we see that um, there's many more times that Peter messed up. Right after this moment, just a few verses later, he speaks up to Jesus again and he blows it. He just nailed it. Peter, you're the rock. You're on fire, Peter. Come on. And then he said, Jesus, you can't go to the cross. You don't need to leave us. You don't need to die. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> he just nailed it. And just, just a few minutes later, he blows it again. But that didn't stop Jesus from using him. He was called. He was anointed. And his mistakes didn't stop God from using him. We see that Peter... When um, Jesus was about to go to the cross, he said, well, Jesus first said to the disciples, he said, all of you are going to betray me and deny me, ultimately. Peter said, I, I'm never going to do that. And Jesus said specifically to Peter, no, you're going to do that. You're going to deny me. And you're going to do it three times. And Peter said, no, I'm not going to do it, Lord. Of course, Jesus knew ahead of time what was going to happen. And we see when Jesus was arrested, Peter came to his rescue, cut off the ear. I told you he's a little rough around the edges still. Cut off the ear of the guy trying to get Jesus. And Jesus put the ear back on and healed the man while he was being arrested. And he said, Peter, no, we're not going to do that. This is what I have to do. And we see that when Jesus was on the cross dying for our sins, the only disciple that was left with him was John. The rest of them have went away, they hid, they denied him. But we see Peter did exactly what Jesus said, what, what would happen. And he said that you're going to, before the rooster crows, before this certain part of the day, you're going to deny me three times. And it happened just like Jesus said it. Because Peter was fearing for his life, like most people would. Peter denied Jesus three times. And it says immediately after he denied him, he started weeping and crying because he knew he failed. And he remembered what Jesus said, and he knew he let Jesus down. So at that time, Peter was hiding. Peter was feeling like a failure. He was feeling like, I'm never going to be able to do what God has called me to do anymore because Jesus went to the cross and I let him down. I denied him three times. But we see something that happened after Jesus resurrected that Jesus sought out Peter to restore him. Let's look at Matthew 16 and verse 7. I think this is an interesting verse. Or Mark 16, my bad. Mark 16. And I think we're going to do verse 7. This is what the angels said when they went to the tomb and found it empty. 
Notice what he says. But go tell his disciples and Peter. Now, that will preach. (laughs) He is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him as he said to you. But notice the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter. He wanted to specifically call Peter out and say, no, I didn't forget about you. And you didn't mess up too much that I can't redeem whatever's went wrong in your life. And he said specifically, go tell the disciples and Peter. Because he knew Peter was feeling like a failure. Peter had given up. Peter went back to fishing and said, forget this. I'm too far gone. And God spoke through this angel and said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Because I still have a call on his life. Are you, are you hearing this today? Let's look over at John chapter 21. In verse 1, there's so much in this story, but I'm going to read it to you. This is after Jesus has resurrected from the dead, and this is his first encounter with Peter since he resurrected. It said, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I told you he felt like a failure. He felt like he screwed up too much. He felt like I can never fulfill my calling anymore. So he said, I'm going to go back to fishing. And they said, we'll come too. They all said, so they went out on the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Does that sound familiar? And at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. Isn't that a good verse? Come on, let's claim that today as a church family. Jesus was standing on the beach, so so can you. Can I get amen? Let's all go to Florida. Man, southern Indiana weather. Jesus, help me. Church on the Rock, Florida. Let's do it. At the dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach. It's scriptural for your vacation. But the disciples couldn't see who he was, so they, they didn't know who he was. He was so far away. And notice he called out and said, fellas, have you caught any fish? And they said, no, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Do you remember this? When Peter was called, Jesus said, launch out into the deep. And he said, I haven't caught anything all night. And Jesus said, go ahead and do it. And when he did, his net started to break. Are you seeing what he's doing here? He's saying, no, Peter, you're still called. Remember when I first called you? It's the same today. I still believe in you and I still call you. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon people heard it, he said and put on his tunic that he stripped for work. He jumped into the water. So he didn't even wait to get his boat back to the sea. He said, I'm going to jump in the boat. He headed to shore. So he is so passionate to see Jesus. The others stayed with the boat, and they pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. And when they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Come on. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. And bring me some of the fish you've just caught. Fish taco, Brother Joe. So Simon Peter went abroad and dragged the net to the shore. And there were 153 large fish. It's a lot of fish. And yet the net hadn't torn. Now stay with me. I know these are a lot of verses. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. But none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are are you? They knew it was the Lord. And then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. But notice, we're going to see him specifically talk to Peter. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. 
A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I just think this whole story is super powerful. Because Peter was feeling guilty and ashamed and broken and like he blew it for the rest of his life. But Jesus specifically came to him and did the same thing he did when he was first called. Saying that first call is still the same call that's on your life. Because the giftings and callings of God are without repentance. And you're still called. Even though you made a mistake, you are still called Peter. And I still have a plan for your life. And notice he specifically not only fed him, but he got some one-on-one time with him and said, Peter, do you love me? But he did it three times. Because he denied him three times, so he asked him, do you love me three times? And he let him redeem himself back into a relationship with him. He said, I know you blew it three times, but do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? And he said, then feed my sheep or you still have a calling on your life. Are you getting something today? And so Peter was called by Jesus and he said feed my sheep feed my sheep you're still called to do what I've called you to do you're still called to be the rock the pillar of the church you don't have to turn there but in Acts the first couple chapters we see this on the day of Pentecost the first day of the church what happened 120 disciples came out of the upper room And we're out in the streets. And Peter was the one to step up and prophesy and start preaching to these people. Out of all the disciples, Peter is the one to do it. Because he was the spokesperson back then, and now he's still the spokesperson for everybody. And God said, I still choose you, even though I know you were going to make a mistake. I still chose you and called you, and you're still called to do what you're called to do. And that is to build the church, a pillar in the church, a foundation in the church. And he spoke the first message of the church. Peter, the same Peter that made all those mistakes, the same Peter that denied Jesus, the same Peter that did all those things is the same Peter that God used. And notice when the Holy Spirit came on him, he became a different man. No more denying Jesus now. He spoke boldly and it says 3,000 people got saved on the first day of the early church. That's a good message. I have never preached a message where 3,000 people got saved. That was his first one. And 3,000 people got saved on the first day of the church. Because God used Peter. Is this about Peter? No, it's about you actually today. Are you seeing what happened in Peter's life? All the things he went through, all the mistakes he made, and yet God still used him? He can use you too. And he wants to use you, and he's called you, and he's chosen you. Don't let the enemy condemn you and beat you up from the mistakes you made. Even if you blow it tomorrow, you are still called. You are still called. And God still used Peter. We see Peter became the rock that Jesus called him. The foundation, the pillar. And he was a leader in the early church. Later on, he wrote First and Second Peter in your Bible today. And it says, when Peter got older, he was martyred for his faith in Jesus. They say that Peter was martyred around the same time that the Apostle Paul was. That's around A.D. 67, 68. The story is about Peter that when he was about to be martyred, he was going to be crucified just like Jesus was. Now he's probably in his 70s. 
Peter ask that he would be crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way that Jesus was. So the apostle Peter died AD 67 to 68, crucified upside down. He was a martyr for what he believed. All those years later. But he lived a full life his entire life. Building God's house, building the church. See, you don't realize when he was a disciple, these guys were only teenagers. So he lived and preached from the time he was a teenager till he was that old. Building God's house, building the church, being that rock foundation of the early church. And he was crucified upside down for his faith all those years later. It's amazing, all those early apostles were all martyred like, like that. And they all chose to be because of their faith. And you know, Peter could have easily denied Jesus to get out of death. Just like he denied him when he was younger, but he refused to, so he was martyred for his faith. So we see this life of Peter... It had a lot of ups, it had a lot of downs, it had a lot of different things that happened, but God was faithful and his calling was true. And he used this man of God to do great things. Despite his mistakes, despite him denying him, despite him sometimes saying the wrong thing and having to say, Satan, get behind me. God's never said that to you. And he used him all those years as a builder of God's house. So I want you to be encouraged today by the life of Peter. God can use you. God wants to use you. God wants to do great things in your life. You are called to greatness. Even if you make a mistake, even if you mess up, even if you have a bad past or you came from the wrong family, the wrong part of town, whatever you want to call it, God wants to use you. And you're called to greatness. Did you guys get something today? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for